0: K-M-T-T This is K-M-T-T This is Ezra Beck and today is Wednesday Chaf Elul the 20th day of Elul and today's Shir, very appropriate for Chodesh Elul is the next installment in the series on the Yudgimu Midot HaRachamim the 13 Attributes of Mercy be given by Rav Moshe Tarragon The next midah. Of the 13 Midos Arachamim, or perhaps the next two Midos, because there's some debate as to whether they should be counted as one trait or two separate traits. But the next trait is the trait of Rachum and Chanun. Unquestionably, these two Midos are paired throughout Tanakh, sometimes with the word Rachum preceding the word Chanun, other times in the reverse manner. Sometimes the word Chanon precedes the word Rachum. Other times the word Rachum precedes the word Chanon. For example, in the Pesukim in Parshas Kitisa, which describe the delivery of Yud Gimel mm-hmm. Hashem promises Moshe that He will exhibit both Chanon and Rachum in that order. Whereas in Tehillim, Perek Bey a Pasuk which is very familiar to most people, Atatakum Terachem Tzion, Hashem will shower mercy on Tzion, Ki Eis Lechenina, In this Pasuk, the word Rachum, or the root of Rachum, precedes the root of Chanun. In Yonah, Perak Dalid, Yonah mentions Hashem is Ki Chanun Virachum Hu, Hashem is Chanun V'Rachum, placing the word Chanun before Rachum. And that Pasuk in Yon, of course, echoes with the Pasuk in Ashrei, We recite every day, In part, this um, inversion or rotation of the two words is meant to demonstrate that they share more than their distinctions. They're more similar than they are different. There are slight differences. But they share a basic common pattern. And therefore, to a degree, it's really less relevant which is placed first and which is placed second in any particular list. The Gemara in Brachos on Daf Zayin Amid Aleph comments, achon hagun; Again, maintaining the parity of sorts between these two phrases, the Gemara Brachos asserts that "Achadus Baruchu" describes each of these traits commonly as the provision of mercy of Rachamim, even though a person may not deserve it. Part of the Limit of the Gemara stems from the actual grammar of the Pasuk. Hashem doesn't just state, V'chanosi, V'chanosi, There's almost an arbitrariness, so to speak. But a Baruch Hu's decision, a person may not warrant, a person may not justify the provision of mercy, and of compassion, even a person that doesn't deserve it, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises the midah of Rachaman. This serves, in many respects, according to uh, several statements in Chazal, to highlight in particular the Midr of Sarachaman and Chanun. Even though the Gemara and Brachos stipulates the undeservedness as a common trait which they each share, many Midrashim highlight the word Chanun in particular as the Midah, which highlights the undeserved Rachamim, which Hashem provides, inasmuch as the word Khanun, though it refers to mercy, shares similar etymological roots as the word Chinam. Rachamim shol Chinam. milashon Free, undeserved, unpaid for, as it were. So, for example, a very famous Medrash. It appears both in the Medrash Tanchumen, Parshish Kitisa, and Simen Chavzayin. It appears in the Medrash Rabbah and Shemos the Moshe ascends to Shemaim at some stage and he witnesses a large uh, treasure trove of schar awaiting the righteous and he asks HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is that treasure, treasure chest intended for? Moshe responds, this chest is for those who study Torah he turns to another chest and he asks well who is this schar designated for? And Kadosh Baruch Hu responds for people who are gomle people who are charitable and generous and then Moshe spies a disproportionately large accumulation of and a potential reward. And Moshe asks HaKadosh Baruch Hu, well, who is that reward designed for? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, well, that treasure chest is designated for those who don't deserve it. Very similar to the Gemara and Brachos Davzayin. And those who don't deserve, I shower rachamim on them free of charge, as it were. Vicarious would be too um, trivializing a word, but without warrant, without justification. The first night of Slichos, we're a couple of days away from the start of Slichos. The first night of Slichos in the Pismon, Lishmoa El Harina which is really the Pismon which lends Slichos its name, commonly referred to the first night of Slichos as Lishmoa El Harina VeYalhat So there's a phrase which references this Medrash. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Lachon Chinam, Me'otzar Haminutzar. First of all, it's a very poetic phrase. The first two words are phonetically related, the last two words as well. Lachon Chinam. We ask Hashem to provide free mercy, Lachon, Milashon Chanun, Chinam, free, so it actually explicates the etymological dynamic between Chanun and Chinam. Me'otzar HaMenutzar. Me'otzar from the treasure, treasure chest, Hamanu Sar, which is guarded, which is Hakadosh Barhu Hu um, supervises. We ask Hakadosh Baruch Hu to provide us that type of tzar. Somehow, Chazal, in a certain way, ironically, saw free mercy from Hakadosh Barhu as superior to deserved mercy, to humanly justified mercy. Medrash Tanhum and comments that Moshe Rabbeinu employed this type of solicitation when asking Hakadosh Baruch Hu to grant him entry into Eretz Yisrael. He sort of petitioned, not based on any deservedness, but based on requesting Hakadosh Baruch Hu, providing this chanon type of mercy, lachon chinam me'atzar and hence Moshe begins his tefillah with the term v'eschanan which is of course a play on the term chanon, Why Moshe employed that form of tefillah as opposed to other formulas according to Chazal, because this is the type of mercy which he sought. It's an interesting shach. The Shach in his parish to Parshish Kitisa tries to explain or amplify why free Rahmanus is superior to Rahmanus which a person deserves. Presumably, deserved Rahmanus based on a lifestyle which warrants HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reciprocal behavior would be a superior experience. Hashem, I might deserve it. I've lived a certain uh, set of values which warrant your um, reciprocal compensation. So the Shach treats it from a moral perspective that if a person acknowledges his own futility his own lack of self-worth and lack of any justification so he's reached a stage of sober recognition of human futility and incompetence and that stage itself of humility, of honesty of transcendent recognition of, of the awe of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that recognition itself renders that person superior, so to speak. A person who truly believes that he can lodge certain demands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and accept reward and remuneration, that person perhaps may be adopting a perspective which is questionable theologically and certainly troubling morally. But an individual who acknowledges and embraces futility and incompetence and bases his request to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, on free mercy, on free Rachamim, he's lodging a, a more powerful and... Um, morally and theologically sound davening and request Dakarish um, Baruch One can attack it from a slightly different standpoint. The Shach is speaking from a moral existential plane. A person who acknowledges limited achievement perhaps is achieving more than a self-satisfied or delusional individual. One can look at it not just from that standpoint but from a, one could claim a psychological standpoint. Sometimes when mercy is provided freely and generously that can enhance or intensify a relationship and break it out of the limiting confines of quid pro quo, where I deserve and you deserve, and a sterile commercial exchange is taking place. So at first glance, it, it may seem that a person who warrants a Baruch Hu's rachamim is superior to an undeserving recipient, but Moshe Rabbeinu himself, Moshe himself covets that type of rachamim, and the pasuk itself, by highlighting Chanun Verachum even before the midos are delivered, they form, in many ways, a, a heading to the Yidguam midos that Kadosh Baruch Hu arbitrarily chooses. Lest we become too comfortable with the system of Rachamim and Rachmanus that Kadosh Baruch Hu offers, and believe that we can supervise it or predict it or in any way program it. Um, we say in davening Atachonein liAdam Das umlaamed le'Noash and several mafarshim question why the provision of, inte- of intellect of knowledge is okay. described through the verb of choneh. Nozem li adam da why chanum. There's an Abarbanel who comments that the entire creation, the entire universe, shares life and vitality, and that's a product of Hashem's rachamim. However, only human beings are granted intelligence and cognitive capability. And therefore, that's a freely delivered, almost arbitrary decision that isn't shared by other creatures and is best captured by the term chanun. That's at least his take on why that term is employed in this context. This overall concept that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides free rachamim in that we willingly or intentionally base our requests on that expectation rather than strategizing a different form of solicitation where we would rely more heavily on justified or deserved rachamim is a theme which for Salah greatly amplified when it comes to Rosh Hashanah and particularly in the symbolism of the shofar. The Rav Sal cited several sources, several halachic sources, to prove that the shofar isn't merely a mechanic or a mechanical performance of a mitzvah, of blowing a sound, of sounding a, the, the shofar. But somehow participates in the overall experience of Tvila. There are several halachos which suggest that the shofar is integrated to the Mitzvah of Trila, perhaps a very famous Shita of Rashi. Rashi comments both in Rosh Hashanah, Chaptesim, and Be'ez, as well as in his commentary to Parshus Emor, that based on the Pasuk of Zichron, Teruah, the Mitzvah Midar Minatara, Midar Ison, Rosh Hashanah, is not limited to sounding the shofar, but reciting psukim, which elaborate or illustrate the inner latent themes of the shofar. And for us, of course, these, these are the psukim of Malchios, Zichronos, and Shafros, which according to most Shitas is merely a rabbinic takana intended to enhance the davening. Every davening is altered by the Chachamim based on the topical theme of that day. We would think that the psukim of Malchios, Zechranos and Shafaros are similar. Rashi in his parish demands that they are Minha Why would the Torah command both sounding a shofar as well as reciting psukim? The Reb Zatzel suggested because the psukim help um, demystify, I guess, the symbolism of shofar, articulate its latent themes and better allow it to contribute to our trilos. very famous Gemara, the beginning, uh, uh, the Havav, the Gemara says, that you can't use a shofar that comes from a cow or an oxen. The Gemara claims, at least according to Ula, because of So we don't want to blow a shofar which may evoke memories of the Ego Hazad. The Gemara further questions, but there are many moments during the avodas HaMikdash where we employ various utensils, either of gold or that stem from a cow, and we aren't as sensitive to the issue of so the Gemara says well when it comes to avodos which are performed outside of the Kodesh HaKadashim sensitivities aren't as high but when a person enters the Kodesh HaKadashim for example the Kohen on Yom Kippur he has to display heightened sensitivity to to not evoking memories of our past failure in the Kodesh so then the Gemara questions so why are we worried if a shofar is manufactured or a shofar stems from a para after all the shofar isn't blown in the Kodesh HaKadashim the shofar is sounded outside, in every shul. So the Gemara claims, Since the shofar is intended as a zikaron, so it is as if every shofar is being blown inside of the Kodesh HaKadashim. A very, very powerful, and in many ways empowering statement about the mitzvah of shofar and the experience of Rosh Hashanah. Even on Yom Kippur, the highest and holiest day of the year, only one person enters the Kodesh HaKadashim for a few brief moments. Was every single person is bridged to the Kodesh HaKadoshim through the sound of the shofar. And every single every single shofar blower or shofar listener must take care that the shofar is stemming from animals other than cows because he has to display the same heightened sensitivity which the Kohen Gadol demonstrates in the Kodesh HaKadoshin. And these sources and other sources convince the Rav itself that shofar contributes in some way to tefillah. In what way does it contribute to tefillah? So one of the angles which the Rav mentioned is that the shofar is a divesting of human voice and a replacement of that human voice with an animal shriek or an animal groan. And the message we offer HaKadosh Baruch HaMoblan is we may not deserve your Rachmanus as human beings. Much of the talent and potential you allowed us as humans has been wasted or tarnished. But even in the absence of warrant or justification for the Rahmanim we seek, at least have mercy upon us as you do the beasts of the field, the animals of the forest, and we, uh, and we remove, we roll back our human voice, our sophisticated, cognitive, advanced human prayer, and we replace it with a simple, bestial cry, crying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at least treat us as you treat the rest of your creatures, Paseach, umas I didn't hear this from the Rav, but presumably this is why one of the psukim we recite in Trilas Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, the first pasik, if I'm not mistaken, of the section of Zichronos is a pasik about a karjbarachu showering mercy upon Noach and the community of the Teva. It seems strange that Noach should figure so prominently on Rosh Hashanah. For many reasons, Noach wasn't the Jew, and um, he didn't participate in the history of the Jewish experience, which is so central, at least to the section of Zechronos, which tends to be more national than universal. But part of the symbolism of that pasuk is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu displays Rachmanus to creatures who obviously don't deserve it, they don't have any moral or immoral life experience. And by invoking that image to a degree, we're, we're signaling the same type of message. that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should offer us this free Chanun Rachmanus that may not be deserved. So, this is a primary thrust in Chazal. It's based on the Gemara in Brachos, Afal Pisheno Hagun. The Gemara in Brachos seems to apply equally to both Chanun and Rachum, and those two seem to form a tandem throughout Tanakh, oftentimes being rotated or their sequences being altered. However, in Chazal, it seems as if this Afal Pisheno Hagun and the free nature of the Rachamim stems primarily from the word Chanun and less so from the word Rachum, which really is etymologically distinct from the term khina. There are two secondary approaches or different approaches in Chazal in describing the difference between two very similar midos Khan and Verachum, but midos that nonetheless have to have some degree of discrepancy. Talzvols in Rosh Hashanah, on Dafu in the Gemara which articulates a Karish Baruch Hu's delivery of this tefillah, in a footnote to Talzvol's a herga, not really a footnote, but a variant version of Talzvols, says as follows. Rahum refers to standard day to day maintenance of our world through the trade of mercy, Kudosh Baruch Hu, day in, day out. Natural history is not just a physical experience, but a moral one. I mentioned the Rav before. The Rav wrote about this on several occasions that whenever we view nature, we don't view it through a sterile cosmological lens, but we try to locate the moral fiber. Of Hakadosh Baruch's universe and the morality, the ethic of morality in sustaining life and delivering life, and a Jew sees in nature not just a teeming, teeming um, universe, but Hakadosh Baruch provision and sustenance of this universe. Again, I mentioned the pasuk before: "Poseh yodacha The second section in the preface of Shemon Eser, the section known as Givuros, atagibarol de'olom Hashem mechayim the primary target of the second section is to describe Echad Rishbaruchu's strength and glory, aspects of maintaining our world that we can't even duplicate or replicate, and yet the bracha describes them in very moral terms. Echad Rishbaruchu, bechom makom shatam alze, gedulasa shalek Echad Rishbaruchu, givurasa shalek Echad Rishbaruchu in the whenever we detect HaKadosh Baruch Hu's glory and majesty in particular in the sweeping omnipotence which we sense in our universe immediately his humility but not just humility but attendance to the needs of the forlorn and the destitute so to speak in, we would say it in human terms HaKadosh Baruch Hu's been swept up in the grandiose nature of an entire Universe or cosmos, but is able to attend to the particular needs of destitute individuals. And that's the term chan- rachon. The term chano, according to Tosos, refers to a very specific response of rachmanus during a moment of crisis. A person calls out to Hashem and his tefillah is answered. Based on a pasach in mishpatim in which the Torah warns against um, withholding collateral for a poor person if a person is withholding collateral that performs a very basic need to an indigent person a, a pillow, a blanket, something which is basic a table and the Torah warns us against such exploitation by claiming if that poor person will cry out in agony, and need I will listen for I am chanun based on this Pasuk Tulsus believes that Chanun refers to a specific provision of mercy during a moment of crisis. This poor person is in the throes of personal crisis. He cries out to Hashem, and Hashem doesn't an answer based on Rachum, but answers based on Chanun. Neshama ki Chanun Ani. So this is going to us the difference between Chanun and Rachum refers to timing and context. Day-to-day, quote-unquote, standard routine rachimim. But particular rachamim in response to an aitz tzara. The Vilna Gaon takes a third approach towards distinguishing between chanun and between rachum. Again, casting rachamim or rachum as the standard baseline day-to-day rachmanus, the Gaon associates, and the Netziv as well associates, the term chanun not with the word. chinam, or free or undeserved, as much as with the word chen, charm, grace, beauty, charisma, attraction. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for rachamim, and then we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for relationship, for closeness, for love. Love which is of course both the basis of the provision of rachamim as well as the outcome. The person receives rachamim that can serve as an interpersonal bridge, in this case a bridge between the divine and man, in creating a deeper relationship. There's a medrash that also seems to take this tact, the medrash in the beginning of Shemos, mentions that Hashem had Rachmanos and Am Yisrael by sparing them the Makos, singly referring to the empirical protection Hashem provided. And the medrash continues, He provided Chein by endearing them to the Egyptians. On several occasions in the first couple parsh of Shemos, so Hashem promises that he won't just release the Jews, he won't just um, protect them, but he will endear them to the Egyptians. Ultimately Hashem does create this endearment and attraction ultimately redemption in Kuula, not just the triumph the military triumph the return to land the construction of a kingdom which reflects the Kaddish Baruch Hu's will but ultimately redemption is also experienced at a very real level by recognition of our unique role and support and, and um, identification with the unique role which Jews play we daven on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. V'yeda kol po, ki atah pi alto, v'yavin kol yitzur, ki atah yitzarto. V'yomar kol ha'asher nishama bi'apo Hashem eluke Yisrael melech umalchus al bakol mashala. When entire community of the world recognizes not just from a abstract theological standpoint the primacy and supremacy of God, but Hashem eluke Yisrael melech, recognizing the Jewish people as the emissary and the representation of Hakadosh Baruch Hu in our world and his will in our world unfortunately as we struggle to um, advance our own redemptive experience so not only are we opposed not only are we deterred um, geopolitically and militarily and territorially but also so to speak we haven't reached the full level of Gula where people have ceased the anti-Semitic slurs and denigration and stigmatization of the Jewish people we we haven't yet been privileged to these types of succumb in Parshas Naso, of course, the Torah is describing Birchas Konim. So the term Birchonaka here refers not to freely delivered items, but to the requests that Hashem feel endeared to us, or make us endeared to Him, and recognize our chain. Um, in particular, in the um, Sifri in Parshas Naso mentions that the chen we seek is a chen achieved through Kabbalah HaTfilah. Ya'eh Hashem, Pana Vichuneka, the Kohen gives a bracha to Am not just that Hashem should find us charming and attractive, but Hashem should accept our Tfilos, which again is both a consequence of that endearment, but is also a basis for further endearment. Once Hashem accepts our tefilahs, a bridge has been built, a relationship has been forged, and our Tfilos um, aspire to that level of Khain. so according to the Vilna Gon the difference between Rachum and Chanon is not contextual but the texture of Rachmanus is a little bit different Chain is in many ways a prayer or a request that far transcends the mere solicitation of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's so to summarize the terms share more than they are di- share more similarities than their differences for this reason, they're oftentimes rotated in Tanakh. But one can perhaps detect three primary differences. One is, according to some of the Midrashim, the element of Afopish Enohagun in the freely or arbitrarily delivered Racham of is more evinced by the term Chanun, etymologically similar to Chinam, than the term Racham. Telso's claim that Chanun refers to a particular contextual mercy in a moment of crisis and desperation, Whereas the Vilna Gon, in, in many respects, the, um, I believe the Nitziv also articulates in Parshat Nosso, that Khan stems not from the word Chinam, but from the word Chayin, in which we sing the Kedush Baruch Hu's endearment. The next Mida is far more, uh, one could say, one-dimensional. It, it poses less of a challenge towards cracking its meaning. Erech Apayim, which um, has to be recited, of course, together. Some people have a minute to sing the Yud Midas on Yam and sometimes the gap, the pause between Erech is a little bit troubling. Again, it's part of a song and everyone recognizes that they're meant to be placed together. I mentioned in the previous year that the two iterations of the term Hashem have to be separated by a minor pause to capture the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah daf Yud Zayin. Then one refers to the Shem Hashem prior to Chet, one refers to the Shem Hashem subsequent to Chet. So if the two names of Hashem have to be separated by a pause, Erech shouldn't be separated by a pause because it really is referring to Hashem's ability to uh, maintain a long temper, so to speak, to defer anger, mentioned in a moment, sometimes, ironically, when people sing one of the tunes that's very, very popular, so there's no pause between Hashem Hashem, and the way that the tune works out, Erech and Apayim are cleaved from each other. Erech, Apayim, Trev Chesed, mass, and sometimes it makes me a little uncomfortable to hear a too long a pause between Erech, Apayim. Erech, Apayim, as Uncleus interprets in his Commentary on <inaudible> Hashem delays, defers, distances anger. So here there's an element of timing which is referred to that even when HaKadosh Baruch Hu at some point will deliver punishment or will arrive at anger, it's delayed, it's the, uh, it's um, postponed. Um, it could be postponed for all sorts of reasons until a person has the opportunity to perform tshuva. It could be um, postponed in order to uh, mm-hmm. Um, in order to mitigate the severity of the punishment. But there's some degree of postponement or delay that takes place before HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes. Um, the Gemar and Erevin speaks of Moshe sending to Shemayim and asking Hashem why it's stated in the plural. should have said, Erechav, Hashem's anger is delayed or or deferred. Hashem responded, v'lo Hashem responded that the plural language, the, plur, the plural employment of the term Apaim is meant to indicate that Hashem delays anger both for tzaddikim and rishayim, reminding us of the Pasuk in Kohalos, ki adam, tzaddik barats, asher ya'aseh tov, v'lo yechata, that um, even tzaddikim have chataim that have to be addressed, and in addressing and in punishing for these, or penalizing for these chataim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu delays the anger and the penalty some other Rishonim take a more creative view of the need for Erech payim for tzadikim that it refers not to the specific delay of anger and of punishment but to the overall delay of schar and Onesh of course is one package for the next realm and many Gemaras and many Psukim of course describe that Sadikim's just rewards are delayed so that they can be provided in greater dimension and greater magnitude Pasuk in Dvarim and in some cases um, provides challenges so that ultimately the reward which may not be pending in this fallen and limited world the reward will be of greater magnitude in a purer and more absolute world so some were to claim that Baruch Hu's response to Moshe that Erechapayim applies not just to Rishayim but to Sadikim as well is meant in some ways to refer not to the specific delay of anger but in a more general sense the interaction of the two worlds and the penal dynamic between the two worlds and not the penal but the, the penalty slash award ratio between this world and that world and Sadikim sometimes don't realize they're just um, they're just expectations in this world and it may seem to us unjust and frustrating and, and challenging at an existential level but theologically Hashem reminds us that he's that ultimately this is not the world in which we seek our ultimate rewards